according to new data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, 25% or one in four adults ages 18 to 24 say they have contemplated suicide in the past month as a result of the pandemic. That's more than three times the percentage of people in the same age group who reported suicidal ideation in the second quarter of 2019. Of those surveyed, more than 40% say they had experienced a mental or behavioral condition in relation to the pandemic. 31% reported symptoms of anxiety or depression, while 26% of respondents reported trauma or stress-related disorder because of the pandemic. And 13% of those surveys say they had turned to increased substance use to cope with stress or emotions related to COVID-19. Y'all do know that alcohol sales are up exponentially, right? Um, and the problem isn't just among young adults. Listen to me carefully. 22% of essential workers say they had contemplated suicide in the past 30 days, along with 31% of self-reported unpaid caregivers of adults. Y'all know that we got many, uh, many uh, family members and others who are taking care of adults uh, as a part of their family duty, and they're not getting paid for it, but they're reporting this type of stress. According to the report, suicidal ideation was more prevalent, listen to this, was more prevalent among males as well as Hispanic and black minorities. Symptoms of COVID-19-related stress, anxiety, or depression, increased substance use, and suicidal ideation were more prevalent among employed than unemployed residents. Federal officials and public health experts have expressed growing concern of a possible mental health crisis at the hands of the coronavirus pandemic. Earlier this month, the CDC found that more young people, listen to this carefully, they found that more young people are dying of suicide and overdose in 2020 than they are of COVID-19. Mental health conditions are, dispro are disproportionately affecting specific populations, especially young adults, Hispanic persons, black persons, essential workers, unpaid caregivers for adults, and those receiving treatment, treatment for pre-existing psychiatric conditions. So guys, there's a, there's a problem that's going on. And all of this that I just read to you is not just happening outside of the church. It's happening within the church also. Are y'all listening to me today? It's happened within the church. So we're going to talk about uh, stress today. Our, we're going to entitle this series, Help, I'm Stressing. Everybody say, help, I'm stressing. Go to Philippians, the fourth chapter, we'll be right quick, and we're going to look at, start at verse number six and begin our reading there. Philippians chapter number four, verse number six, is a very familiar passage of scripture. As a matter of fact, when we, uh, earlier this year, when we studied the book of Philippians, uh, this is one of my favorite parts of, uh, of that book because it gets down to the heart of where we should be as born-again believers. The text says this, watch this, Paul is writing, to the church at Philippi, the saints at Philippi, and he says this in his fourth chapter, don't worry about anything. Can we re read that together? Come on, let's read it out loud on purpose. Say what? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Verse number seven, let's read. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand, 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Next verse. Come on, let's go. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of what? Praise. Verse 9, for good measure, it says what? Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Help. I'm stressing. Now, let, let me say this right quick. All of us in here have the potential, if we're not careful, to allow stress and stressful situations to overwhelm us. Can I get a witness? None of us are immune from the pressure that comes in life and the pressure that comes from the enemy as he tries to disrupt our flow with God. So we got to be very careful. As I read those stats there, there are many people now, even believers, who have allowed the situation to overtake them to the point to where they are paralyzed by fear and they are stressed out because of what's happening in this world today. They're stressed out because of the politics. Huh? Afraid of who's going to get elected or reelected. Get out and vote. Vote your conscience. Get out and vote. Participate, but don't be afraid. It don't matter to me who's president of these, these United States of America. God is still God. He's still on the throne. He's still going to watch over me. And I don't care if Trump is in there or Biden is in there. I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me. So I'm not worried. But I'm going to vote. Are y'all with me today? Too many times we've allowed the 24-hour news cycles from the Fox News, the CNN, the MSNBC uh, to, to, to overtake our minds. Turn the news off. I, I, I believe that 24-hour news cycles just bombard us with stuff. And if you're not careful, you'll begin to bring all that stuff on the inside and you'll forget about who you belong to. So Paul here in this, in this, in this text says, uh, uh, let's go back to that sixth verse right quick. And let's pop it right up, if you will. Uh, I want you to see this real good. He says, don't worry about anything. What is worry? We told you before, the Greek word translated uh, anxious in the KJV or worry or careful in, in this sixth verse means to be pulled in different directions. Everybody say pulled in different directions. Have any of y'all ever been so busy and so going to and fro that you felt like you've been pulled in two different directions? You've allowed the vicissitudes of life. You've allowed all of the stuff that goes on. You've allowed just family, job, work, ministry to overwhelm you to the point to where you, you didn't know whether you were going or coming. And so he says here, uh, uh, to be pulled in two different directions. Our hopes pull us in one direction and fear pulls us in the, in the opposite direction and we are pulled apart, guys, we're not careful. The old English root word from which we get our word worry means to strangle, I told you. It means to strangle. If you have ever really worried, guys, you know how, how it, it, it does strangle you. It suffocates you. In fact, worry has definite physical consequences. You all are in the medical field notice that stress can cause physical ailment. Stress can cause us to have ulcers, neck pains, headaches, even back pains. And worry affects our thinking, our digestion, even our coordination. 
Now, from a from the spiritual point of view, guys, listen to me very carefully. Worry is wrong thinking and wrong feeling about circumstances, people, and things. From a pure spiritual perspective, worry is wrong thinking, wrong feeling about circumstances, people, and things. Worry, worry. Help, I'm stressing. We got some Christians who are stressing. See, guys, peace involves the heart and the mind. I want you to pop up Isaiah 26 and 3. And let's read that real carefully. The third and the fourth verse. The text says this. Thou, can y'all read it? It says what? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because what? He trusts it in thee. That's, that's critical there. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on thee because he does what? He trusted in thee. Verse four for good measure says what? Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Now guys, wrong thinking leads to wrong feeling. And before long, the heart and the mind are pulled apart and we are strangled by worry. Worry brings on stress. We must realize that thoughts are real and powerful, even though they cannot be seen. Y'all know that, right? They cannot be weighed. They cannot be measured. But the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 to bring every thought into obedience unto subjection to Christ. Every thought that we have, guys, we should run it by the word of God and see if it lines up with God's word. See if that thought says about us what God's word says about us. When that thought comes and tells you, you're not going to make it. What does the word of God say about you as a born again believer? See, I need, to, I need to know that and you need to know that because our thoughts, amen, lead us to a point where we begin to worry and we succumb, amen, by that stressful feeling that we come up against. There's a saying, and I quoted this to you all before. It says, sow a thought, reap an action. Let me say it again. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character, and sow a character and you reap a destiny. See, it all starts with how we think and what we allow to infiltrate our mind. Dr. Walter Cabot reported a, uh, on a survey on worry that indicated, that, listen to this carefully, only 8% of the things people worried about were legitimate matters of concern. The other 90, 92% were either imaginary, never happened, or involved matters over which people had no control over anyway. Why would you worry about something you don't have any control over? Hello? Why in the world would you sit back and worry about something you have no control over? Satan is a liar, guys. We know that from John 8 and 14. The Bible says he's the father of lies. And he wants to corrupt our minds with his lies. The Holy Spirit controls our minds through truth. Go to John, the 17th chapter. And I want to read this because we're going to see that Jesus is our example as to how to handle stress. Go to John 17. We're going to start at verse 1. It's a little lengthy, but I think it's worth uh, us, us going through the scripture and seeing what the word of God says. Our example, our model, Jesus. The text says this in verse number 1. Read with me. It says what? After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Now, listen, let me give you some context to this. Here we see Jesus praying to the Father in heaven. This prayer is coming 
before his ultimate sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary. He's coming to the end of his life's journey here on earth, and he actually prays to the Father. If you read one of the, the Lord's Prayer, this is the Lord's Prayer, not our Father which art in heaven. That would he just tell us how to pray. But here you see Jesus, I'm going to show you, is praying for us. Can I get a witness? We, we're we're in, in this prayer. Watch what he says here. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Verse number two. Let's read it. Watch this. For you have been, you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. It's Jesus praying. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Next verse says what? I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. This is Jesus talking now. Talk to the Father. Watch this next verse. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Jesus understands that his time, his assignment here, Brother Elijah, is up. He realized that he's came to fulfill his eternal destiny. He came to die on Calvary's hill for you and I. Can I get a witness? And he's praying now, and this is real serious now, because most of the time when people get ready to leave, they get ready to leave you, and they know they're not going to see you anymore in the physical flesh. Uh, they, they usually tell you something that's really important, right? I don't know many people that are on that deathbed are going to fuss at you about the kitchen not being clean. If you're on your deathbed, if you know, or if you're going some way, you're moving away and won't be coming back this way again, you usually try to say something that's significant, don't you? Baby, I love you. You know I love you. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to Germany for two years in the military. And, I, and, and, you, and you don't want to have an argument and fuss and fight about foolish things when you're not going to see that person. You want to tell them something that's important. And that's what Jesus does right here. He's talking to the Father because he knows his assignment here on earth is up. Now, Father, bring me into the glory. We share it before the world began. Next verse, come on. I have revealed to you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. This is Jesus talking about the ones who he had discipled. Watch this. Next verse. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. Come on. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. Next verse. Let's go. My prayer is not for the world. Watch what Jesus says here. He's now praying to the Father. He said, I'm not praying to those who don't, who don't, who don't who not running with me, who haven't accepted me. My prayer is not for the world but for those you have given me because they belong to you. Touch yourself and say, I belong to God. Say, I need to know whose I am. Say, say, I need to know whose I am. Not who I am, but whose I am. You need to know who you belong to. Sherry, I know Kenny, Kenny's your husband, but you don't belong to Kenny. You belong to the Lord. Can I get a witness? Kenny Wayne, I know Sherry said that's my man, and I know that in a general sense and context, but really you belong to God. I love all of y'all here, but y'all are not my members. Kenny Wayne, y'all are God's sheep. That's why when you act up, I turn you over to God. You know what I learned? I've been pastoring here 31 years. And what I learned a long time ago, and I told you before, and I said again, grown people will do what grown people want to do. I need y'all to repeat that. We say grown people will do what grown people want to do. 
I can preach, I can hoop, I can sing, I can, I can teach, I can encourage you to sign up for this kingdom discipleship class, and grown people will do what grown people want to do. So you know what? I've learned how to say, God, I told them what you told me to tell them. That's your sheep, you deal with them. I'll try to lead them as best I can, but I know I can't pastor people who don't want to be pastors. And I thank God for you guys. And I'm not saying this. Whoever listens to this, I'm not saying this because EBC has given me an ounce of trouble in the 31 years I've been pastoring. That's a, that's a blessing. You, you guys just don't know how much of a blessing it is to be the pastor of people who are willing to follow the word of God. When you show up what the word says, properly divided, in context, you're willing to take hold to that. Let's keep reading. I, I, I don't want to get carried away here. He says, all who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. They bring me glory. They bring, back up, they bring me glory. If you belong to Christ, you should be bringing Christ's glory, not looking for your own glory. Everything that we do, we're going to give glory to God, to Christ Jesus, not to ourselves, not to EBC. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Next verse. Come on, let's go. Now, I need y'all to listen to this. Now, I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now, protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. That they will be united just as we are. They will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scripture foretold. That was Judas, y'all. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they, so they would be filled with my joy. 14, come on, let's go. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Jesus praying for his disciples. Watch what he says. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. You don't belong to this world anymore if you save you don't belong to this world any more than Jesus Christ does. Heaven is your home. That's where all of us who are born again believers, our citizenship resides. Can I get a witness? We are ambassadors for Christ. Heaven is our home, but we're here on earth to represent our Savior. Next verse. Come on, let's go. Just what? Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is true. Watch this. Verse 17 is one. Back up 17 right quick. Look, look at what it says. Can y'all read with me? Make them holy by your truth. So how are we going to be made holy, guys? What's it say? By his truth. What is his truth? Teach them your word, which is what? True. So holiness don't come just by coming to church. He says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. God's word is truth. And without the truth of God's word being imparted into our lives, we won't live in holiness. Next verse. Come on, watch this. Watch this. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Next verse says, well, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Made holy by what? Your truth. What is his truth? This word. I am praying. Now, here's where we come in, guys. Every time I read this, I get excited. Look at what Jesus said when he was praying. He says, what? I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me, what? Through their message. So you believe in Christ Jesus 
through the message that was passed down from the disciples all through these generations. And Jesus right here in this verse is praying for you and I. Look at the next verse. says, Watch this. Look at this. I pray that they will be. Now watch this. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am you. And may they be in us so that so that the world. Watch this. So that the world will believe you sent me. Isn't any wonder that the world doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is real? Because this verse says, I'm praying that they be in us. He says this, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Next verse, watch this. I have given them the glory you gave me so that so they may be one as we are one. What is he talking about now? He's talking about unity. God is about unity. Satan is about division. Anything that Satan does, he seeks to divide. He seeks to divide husband and wife. He seeks to divide people along racial lines. He he seeks to divide people along ethnic lines. It don't matter what he uses, he just wants to divide. As Brother Tim told us, when you go, you know, it ain't just black and white. You can go to Africa and Africans are killing Africans. It's, it's, it's more genocide that takes place in Africa. It's black-skinned people killing black-skinned people. It's happening right here in the States. Division. Satan don't care what it is. He don't care if it's black-white or black-black, white-white, Chinese-Chinese, Asian-Asian. He just wants to divide. And the, the text says, I've given them the glory that you gave me so that so they may be one as we are one. Next verse, watch this, watch this. I am in them and you in me. May they experience such perfect, watch this. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Now, I got to park here and we'll get into this lesson real deeply because Jesus is our example. Look at what this text says, guys. It just blew my mind when I read it. Because is it any wonder that, that, that people are rejecting Jesus? Because the church, look at what he says. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Now, I want to ask you a question. When you look at our churches, are we, are, we, are, we, are we exhibiting such perfect unity that, the, that, that people in the world can have confidence that God sent Jesus into the world? Absolutely not. We're divided along denominational lines, uh, uh, gender lines, racial lines, on down the line, line lines. We just divide. But he says this, guys. When I saw this, I'm like, Man, that's what's happening today. That's why the devil fights unity so much. Because he says, here's Jesus. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you're sitting me and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow. See, guys, we got to come together in unity. How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Unity shows the world that, that Jesus Christ was who the Bible says he was and he did what the Bible said he did. And so that's why he keeps fighting. That's why he keeps fighting you. He keeps fighting. He he, Satan, Satan loves disunity. So he knows that disrupts the flow of God. 
So, so guys, we, we, we got to get it right. Jesus Christ is our example. He tells us right here. Now, let's, 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 get, to, let's get to the meat of the matter. So is Jesus our example? Why do you say that? Well, how many of y'all will admit to me that Jesus was constantly under pressure? You would have studied your Bibles, know that he was constantly under pressure. There were grueling demands on his time. He rarely had any personal privacy. He was constantly interrupted. Everywhere he went, crowds followed. Everywhere he went, people were pressing in up pressing it upon him. Remember the time in Luke, the fifth chapter, when uh, there were so many people around him, he asked Peter, let me use your boat to preach. And everywhere he'd go, people would follow because he was a miracle worker. And a lot of people followed him for the miracles, right? If you, if you knew somebody was healing in the village, wouldn't you want to get healed? If you know there was somebody who was casting out demons, you had a demon, wouldn't you go try to find the one who's able to cast out demons? So he was popular, amen, with the people, although he was not popular with religious people. The religious hierarchy. See, when you when you run with Jesus and you're doing what's right, regardless of, uh, of, of what what else is going on, then sometimes those folks who are religious, who are in church for the sake of church and not for the sake of Christ Jesus and not for the sake of transforming people's lives, they just have to be in church and they got their traditions. Are you with me today? They'll get upset with you when you start talking about, well, what's our plan to go and reach the lost? What do you mean, what's our plan? They need to come to us. No, 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 no. What's our plan to disciple born-again believers? Well, you know, just come to church. No, 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 no. I want to know what, what's our discipling plan. What's our model? How are we going to build relationships? How are we going to begin to be able to connect with people who need to be connected so that we can help them to grow? See, religious folks, they just want to come and be religious. They want to come and look the part, look stoic, look like they're deep. Look like they know the Lord and talk like this. Yeah, I tell you, listen, don't, don't, don't throw stones at me and don't write me no letter. But I find it incredibly confusing when people talk, hey man, how you doing? Katie, what's going on, man? And then when I get to church, I'm like, brother KD, how are you doing, my brother? Why do I change my voice? Y'all know the preacher voice, don't you? If we just learn to be ourselves, it'll save us a whole lot of heartache. Listen, can't nobody beat you being you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you the way he made you. Your personality, man, just conform to his image, but keep your personality. Man, I, I, I thank God that, I, that I'm, so, I'm so liberated that, that I, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I ain't trying to be nobody but Doyle Adams. Are you with me? Because you can't beat me being me. And so I thank God he made me the way he made me. Now again, there, there's things I got to change about myself, but I'm saying, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about my personality, Ben. Don't try to be like somebody else. Be who God made you to be. So, 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 but Jesus understood that very, very clearly. People repeatedly misunderstood him, criticized him, ridiculed him. He had a great amount of stress, which would have caused most of us, if not all of us, to just flat out lose our minds. Amen. Yet when we examine his life, guys, we discover that he remained at peace under pressure. Everybody say he remained at peace under pressure. He was never in a hurry. He was always at ease. He had a calmness about his life that enabled him to handle enormous amounts of stress. And you know that Jesus had a lot on him, guys. 
the weight of the world on his shoulder, yet he was calm. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I know, and I don't even have to interview any of y'all in here. Most of y'all, if you live long enough, as the old folks say, keep on living. If you live long enough, there have been times when you face stressful situations. There have been times when you felt like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. There have been times you felt like you were going to lose your mind. Anybody in the house? And stress was bearing down on you. Those situations happen with Jesus, but he's our model and he's our example of how to handle stress because we need some help. Amen. What enabled Jesus not to stress out under this severe pressure? Well, let's look at eight principles that I think could help us uh, to get there. And I don't know if we'll finish all of them today, but you know what? We'll come back next week. This will not be any longer than a two-part series, I don't hope. Everybody say, help. I'm stressing. Now watch, watch this, guys. First thing I wanted to point out to you, first, Jesus knew who he was, identification. Know who you are. I told you before, I know who I am, so it frees me when I'm passing this church not to try to be like T.D. Jakes, not to try to be like Jack Graham, not, not, not try to be like Charles Blake, not to try to be like uh, uh, Oral Roberts, not to try to be like uh, uh, Robert Morris, not, not, not to try to be like Tim Ross. I am going to be like Doyle Adams. And it's so liberating and freeing to know that God made me the way he made me. Identification, know who you are. Let's go right quick, if you will, to John, the 8th chapter, verse number 12. And we're going to read a series of, of, of scriptures here to let us know that Jesus knew who he was. He says, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am what? The light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Let's go to that, that, that uh, 18th verse of that very same chapter, John 8, verse number 18. Watch what the text says. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the others. Because under the Jewish religious law, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word was deemed to be factual. And that takes place even in, the, in our court system today. Whenever something goes on, if you have a corroborating witness, somebody who's there to say, yeah, yeah, uh, Yvonne was there. I saw her right there. She, didn't, she was at her house, so she could not have committed that crime. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word or every fact be established. And Jesus says, I'm a witness of my own self, and my Father, which is in heaven, is a witness of my destiny and my purpose here on earth. Go, let's go to uh, John the 10th chapter, verse number 9. Watch this. John 10, verse number 9. Text says what? Read. Yes, I am what? The gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good passage. He says what? Well, I am what? The gate. He's, he's talking about who he is, identifying who he is. Let's go, if you will, to uh, verse number 11 of the same chapter. John 10, verse number 11 says what? I am what? The good shepherd. Now, we always discovered, first of all, he was what? What's the first one? He was the light. The gate. And what? The good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. It is imperative that Jesus knew that he was a good shepherd because a good shepherd ain't going to let the wolf come in and eat up the feet. The feet. <laughs> eat up the sheep. 
See, a good under shepherd, a good pasture will not allow some wolf to come in and raid the sheep. He's protective of the sheep that God has placed him over. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Go to John the 10th chapter right quick. Verse number 31. Let's start at verse number 31 of John 10, 31. Watch what the text says. Once again, the people picked up stones to, to kill him. Try to kill who? Jesus, right? Jesus said, I, at my father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? Which one of these good works are you going to stone me for? Which one of these good works are you going to stone me for? Look at the next verse. They replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, what? Claim to be God. That's why I want to kill him. Watch what the text says. Next verse says what? Jesus replied, it is written in your own scripture that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are God. <laughs> Jesus messing with him. Now. Said, and you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called God, watch this. Why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am what? The son of God. So he says, I'm what? I'm, first of all, I'm what? The light. I'm what? The gate. I'm the what? Good shepherd. What else? And what? The son of God. He's, he's, he's proclaiming who he is. I am the son of God. After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. So Jesus knew who he was, guys. Listen, he basically says, I know who I am. I testify of myself. This is critically important in managing stress because if you don't know who you are, guess what? Somebody else may try to tell you who they think you are. I think I'll say that again. If you don't know who you are, somebody else may try to tell you who they think you are. A lot of stress in life results from our hiding, guys, hiding behind masks, living double lives, being unreal with others, or trying to be somebody we're not. Trying to be somebody we're not. Listen to this, and I need y'all to hear this very carefully. Insecurity always produces pressure in our lives. Let me say it again. Insecurity always produces pressure in our lives, and when we are insecure, we feel coerced to perform and conform to what others think. The first way to balance stress in your life is to get an internal balance of who you are. Amen. And you'll know who you are by knowing whose you are. Everybody say, I'm a child of God. If you, if you don't know it, you, you, you don't say it. But if you know it, say it loud. Say, I am a child of God. You know, the old folks sing a song, I know I am a child of God. Come on, y'all. Okay, stop right there. Then the other part of him, which, which is good, but, 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 but it, it means that we got to grow a little bit. He says, although I what? Move so slow. My question to you is, why are you moving so slow? It's time for us to get moving. See, we know we're a child of God. Although I move, move so slow, I'm going to wait, wait right here till the Spirit comes. Listen, baby, the Spirit has already came, and he said, move. I understand him. Listen, I grew up on that hymn, and I love it. I'll sing it even today. But, but, but somewhere the mindset has to change. Stop waiting on the Spirit to come. And I know what they were saying. They were saying, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I understand that. But the connotation is, in, in most of the mind, let me just wait until I feel something. See, the Spirit, you don't, you don't always feel him, but you'll know what he, he wants you to do by knowing what the Word of God says. So, so 
Only problem I have with him is stop moving so slow. Can I get a witness? We got to move. In this time that we're living in, guys, we got to be in a hurry to do the Lord's will. So to handle stress, you must know who you are. And until you handle this issue, you will be hindered by insecurity. A lot of folks don't know who they are. So they allow other people to define who they are. And they have expectations placed upon them by other people, and it causes stress in your life. Everybody say identification. Know who you are. Second thing I want you to just keep in mind, dedication. Know whom you're trying to please. Dedication. Identification, know who you are. See, when you're a child of God, when you've confessed Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it don't mean that you won't make mistakes in life. But when you know that you know that you know that you committed your heart to Jesus, even when you mess up along the way, you know God is there to, to forgive you and to pick you back up. Can I get a witness? I need to see the hands of all, the, all of y'all in here in, in, in this church or listening by way of live stream where you messed up royally since you've been saved. And when you messed up, you felt like, man, I don't, even, like, I don't know if I know the Lord. Why did I do that? Paul described this way in Romans. He says, every time that I would do good, evil is present on what? Every hand. Paul said, the things that I want to do, I find myself not doing. And the things that I won't, don't want to do, I find myself doing. Who's going to deliver me from this old wretched flesh that I'm in? Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, guys, we all, it's important to know, uh, you know who, who we are and whose we are uh, in identifying ourselves. Because even when we mess up, we know that God doesn't throw us away. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that, that the Lord doesn't throw you away? I don't know about, you ought to clap on that. I am so glad that God didn't throw me away when I messed up. Because the truth be told, if he threw everybody away that messed up, wouldn't nobody be in here this church today. If he killed everybody who messed up, man, we all be dead. But I thank God that he loves us enough, like he did Abraham, to, to wait on us, to progress us, to help us to grow so we can get it right, so that we can be like Abraham in the dysfunctional family series where we get to the point in that 22nd chapter of Genesis where Abraham believed in God so much that he saw God raising his son from the dead as he offered him as a sacrifice on the altar. Man, that's, that's knowing who you are and who you are. That's knowing and believing God completely and totally. He had a word from God. He had a promise from God, and he built his life around that promise. But he wasn't always there, guys. There was progression that took place. So second thing is dedication. Know whom you're trying to please. Go to John, the fifth chapter, verse number 30 right quick. Know whom you're trying to please. And guys, let me say this right quick. You can't please everybody. Have you figured it out? You can't please everybody. And especially in the political world, you can't please everybody. If you do this, the right going to be mad. If you do this, the left going to be mad. You can't please everybody. Do what you know is right and what, what your conviction tells you and what's according to God's word first and foremost. But look at what the text says here in John, the fifth chapter. Watch this, guys. He says, I can do nothing on my own. This is Jesus talking, guys. He says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. And guys, I I promise you, that's what I want to do and be as a pastor of this church. I don't want to do Doyle Adams' will. I want to carry out God's will. 
I want to make sure that, 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 that I'm leading this church in a way that God, amen, tells me to lead. And I, and I want everything that we do to be backed up by word. And I want to challenge you to be like the men of Berea. They search the scriptures daily to see if what the apostles told them was actually true. I challenge you to go home and dig in the word and see uh, if what I told you lines up with scripture contextually. Because that's how we grow. That's how we develop. Can I get a witness? So know who you are trying to please. Amen. When you, again, you can't please everybody. When you don't know whom you're trying to please, you give in to three things. Watch this. First one is criticism. Because you're concerned about what others will think of you. How many of y'all have not done something because of the blowback you thought you were going to experience by doing that? You know, there are times when I preach stuff, and guys, God knows I love every last one of y'all. And I know when I preach things, if if I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit, at some point in time, guys, I'm going to preach something that you're dealing with. Hello? At some point in time, I'm going to preach something that you're dealing with and and I'll take the criticism if you think I'm talking about you because I ain't studying you really. I mean, I am. I, I, let me back up. Let me back. I am. But <laughs> that came out wrong, didn't it? I am. Y'all know what studying mean, right? I, <laughs> what I mean to say is, is when I'm preaching the word of God, I, you are not on my brain. See, when I'm looking out at you, I'm looking out past you, really. I, I see you, but I don't see you. So don't, don't, don't take it personally when I share what the Holy Spirit gives me because I ain't talking about you. Not individually. But common sense would tell you if the Lord told you to come unite with this church and, he, and you said you wanted to be under the pastorship of Doyle R. Adams Sr., who's from Benton, Louisiana, born in 1963. If the Holy Spirit told you that, then as your under-shepherd, I got to feed you. And sometimes I got to give you some vegetables, some squash. Can't give you cake all the time. Talking about your new house is on the way. Blue glow, you a shot on that, won't you? Your new raise is coming. Oh, thank you, Jesus. No, no, no. Deal with that sin in your life. So sometimes, I told you before, I'm going to say some things that may have you a little bit warm with me, but that's okay. I love you still, and you keep on loving me. Because I promise you I'm saying it with, 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 with a spirit of love, and I want to say it plain enough where you can understand what I'm talking about. Are y'all still with me today? So, so, so criticism will come. So when, when I'm preaching, I know that I'll get criticism from people, especially when I hit when the mail comes to their house. Don't put the mail back in the mailbox like Fred Sanford used to do. Take your mail out and read it. Examine yourself to see if the things that I said are so, and then what is your course correction going to be? Are y'all with me today? So, so when, you, when you don't know who you're trying to please, you give in to three things. Number one, criticism. Second thing is competition. Watch this, competition. Because you worry about whether somebody else is getting ahead of you. Why would you go build a house you can't afford to compete with somebody who ain't studying you? Why don't you go and drive a car? I mean, yeah. Let me say this. You can drive whatever you want to drive. God don't have a problem with you driving whatever you want to drive. 
That's a fact. But don't get something that you can't afford just so you can look good. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, looking good will fade after about six of those car notes you can't afford to pay. You start out six months, yeah, I'm looking good, I'm looking good, looking good. Then now six months later, oh, Lord, how are we going to make, how's we going to make it? See, 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 wait, listen, listen, listen. When you don't know who you're trying to please, you, you get off course, guys. And then it'll lead to, uh, you know, you, you give in to criticism, you give in to competition, trying to compete with folks. One thing that this church will not do is try to compete with another church. I promise you guys, I promise you, my heart is this. If, if the Spirit of the Lord leads you to be a part of another ministry and you leave right, there are folks who don't leave right. They'll just get mad about something and leave. Don't even call, don't say nothing. Just You, you look up and they're not there anymore. And then they won't even answer your phone call. I'm just trying to check on them. They won't even ask them to return the phone call. And so, but I love them. But if you're going to leave, leave the right way. Be led of the Spirit of God, not because you're mad. Anytime you leave church because you're mad, that means you didn't do it God's way. I'm going to say that again. If you leave because you're mad. Now, the Spirit of God will lead, lead you. And, and, and many of y'all may have came from other churches to come here. And we call that transfer growth. In other words, the Spirit of God moves you from one place to another. And that happens. But I would much rather, if, if, if you're really honest about it, I would much rather this church grow by new converts. Person who never accepted Christ. And we, we accept all right, you, you follow me? But, but when, we, when we're doing evangelism the right way, we ought to be able to see, amen, new converts. This baptism pool ought to be getting utilized, which it has been, but I, I want to be able to baptize every month because somebody got saved. But I'm not going to be in competition with another church if that church is growing and the Holy Spirit is moving, people are getting saved, lives are being transformed, more power to them. I'm going to pray for ABC Church over there. I'm not going to talk about it. That is the most foolish thing because we just we discovered earlier that Jesus said, by our unity, the world will know that the Father sent him. And the reason why the world don't believe that the Father sent him because our churches are so disunified, if there's such a term. I may have made that up, disunified. So I'm, listen, I, if somebody's growing, more power to them. Thank God that they're impacting lives. I'm not going to get jealous of another church that's growing. That's crazy. That's, that's not, we're on the same team. Hello? So don't get into this competition thing. Because you worry about whether somebody else is getting ahead of you. And we have that in the body of Christ. Y'all know that, right? Don't know anything about the church over in the past, but you're talking about them because your member left. That's why I, I told you you ain't my member. That's why I can pray for you. I see people all the time who used to be members here and, and, who, and, and thought we were the best things since slight light bread until we wasn't. Thought we were the greatest church on earth until we wasn't. Until they got offended about something and then left because of the offense. If you're going to leave, don't leave because of the offense. Leave because the Spirit of God is leading you someplace else. Y'all follow me? Is that fair enough? And I promise you, I'm, I'm, I'm in your corner. Wherever you go, I'm still praying for you because we're on the same team. Third thing. 
when you don't know whom you're trying to please, you'll give in to conflict because you're threatened when anyone disagrees with you. You give in to conflict because you're threatened when anyone disagrees with you. Jesus knew whom he was trying to please. It was a settled issue with him. You know what? He tells us in Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse number 33, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If, if I focus on pleasing God, it'll simplify my life, and it'll simplify your life. I will always be doing the right thing. You'll always be doing the right thing, the thing that pleases God, regardless of what anybody else thinks. See, j- just stay with the word. Regardless of what other people think, you know you're on this earth to please God. And I'm here to tell you, every time, everybody's not going to be pleased that you're trying to please God. Because a lot of folks want you to please them. Amen? There have been a number of females who were dating a man, and because she was trying to please God, and said, listen, I'm going to keep myself until we get married. Y'all, oh, the pastor, he had to go there. And then the guy left because you decide you're going to keep yourself until you got married. Because he had no intention of marrying you. He just wants your body. Hello? See, see listen, when, 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 guys, when, when we decide we're going to please God, that means that sometimes we're going to be in conflict with other people who don't want to please God. I mean, it could be any number of things. Are y'all with me today? So, so, so example, you know, a lot of times we, we you know, uh, we, we try to blame, blame our stress on other people and, and, and stuff that's in our life. You made me. You made me. You stressing me out. How would you, why, would you allow, why would you allow somebody else to stress you out? My question is, why would you give somebody that much control over you that they causing you to stress? Hello? Uh, you made me, I have to, I've got to. Actually, there are a few things in life that you got to do. You got to die if the rapture tears. And I, and I suppose that you're going to have to go to work if you're within the working age and not eligible for retirement benefits and that type of thing. You got, you got, to, you got, to, you got to go to work to, to provide for your families and that type of thing. That's things you got to do. But, but, but aside from some of this, sometimes we put pressure on ourselves and it causes stress in our life. Jesus knew how to not be stressed. Third thing, and we're going to stop here. And we'll pick up on four, five, six, seven, and eight next week. Everybody say, help. I'm stressing. Some of y'all allow work to stress you. We say it's a very stressful job. One of the things that, that can help us to, to not operate on the stress is organization. Know what you're trying to accomplish. Go to John 8 and 14 with me right quick. Know what you're trying to accomplish. Guys, unless you plan your life and set priorities, you'll be pressured by other people to do what they think is important. Every day you either live by your 
priorities or you live by pressures. Look at what he says here. Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. That's, just, just stop the whole show right there. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you don't know this about me. Jesus was confident in what the Father had sent him to do. And the moment we become confident in what God has given us to do and what he's trying to get us to accomplish in life, it frees us from all this other ancillary stuff that's pulling at us. Are y'all with me today? Every day, again, you either live by priorities or you live by pressure. Preparation prevents pressure, but procrastination produces it. Preparation pre- prevents pressure, but procrastination produces it. How many of y'all, those of y'all have been in high school or college, how many of y'all have ever stressed out about a test? Because you waited till the last minute to study. You went from high school like I did and thought that college would be just the same. And it was my first year. I mean, I, listen, in high school, I didn't study. I, didn't, I can't remember studying real hard in high school and, did, and, and, and finished third in my class. I, I just can't. Re- I don't remember studying real hard. And my first year at Louisiana Tech, I'll tell you before, I didn't study real hard. I was playing ball and doing my thing and, and was on the dean's list that first year. And then the status class came. The, class, the, the status class, which I didn't know anything about. And I thought, I literally thought that I could study the night before the test. And you know what? I was stressed about the test because I had not prepared properly. People have told me, you got to be working that stuff all throughout the week. You can't wait till the last minute. But I thought, everybody say, I thought. I thought that I could just study the night before. The, the only deed I ever made in my life was in that status class. Didn't have sense enough to drop it before I got a deed. But I learned a lesson. I got to prepare for stuff. And when I prepare for stuff, when you know when you're ready for a test. You know when you got it down and, 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 and everything comes to your memory. You're ready to go take that thing, aren't you? You're ready to go show what you know when you're prepared. But when you're not prepared, stress comes. Many of us are stressful in life because we're disorganized. And I, I, I'll admit to y'all guys, I'm a big picture type of guy. I'm not necessarily the most organized guy in the world. Just when the Holy Spirit says, okay, it's time to do it, I'm like, let's go get it. Let's get it done. How are we gonna... There are others of you all who have the gift of administration. You know how to plan it out. You know how to put all the steps in place. You're very detailed. And we need you in this body because we don't need a whole bunch of men running around. We need some folks who are detailed, who think it all the way through. I mean, I'm not, I'm not the world's worst, but I ain't the best either. But that's why God has different gifts in this body. So, so organization. Preparation prevents pressure, but procrastination produces it. Good organization and good preparation reduces stress because you know who you are, whom you're trying to please, and what you want to accomplish. Jesus knew that. He knew it, guys. He knew his purpose. He knew his divine destiny. He knew who sent him and why he sent him. The question you got to ask yourself is, do you know who you are and what he's assigned you to do? And when you know that, it'll free you up. It'll help you to be better organized. It'll help you to be in position to do the things that God wants you to do. Jesus is our example, guys. He knew he came 
to die on Golgotha's hill. He knew he came to be crucified on the old rugged cross. He knew that he had to take on the sins of the world so that you and I could have a right to the tree of life. He knew that. And that drove everything that he did. Help. I'm stressing. I'm stressing. Some of you out there now stressing. Pandemic stressing. Financial stress. Marital stress. Relational stress with coworkers. And it's driving you. And God says, you don't have to stay there. I'm here to help you to be free and to not worry. Our base group says, don't worry about anything, but pray about what? Everything. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.